Welcome to Moving Target, my Rockfin exclusive show. Joining me today is going to be Spiro Skouras to discuss his experience throughout the, I guess, rise of independent media today and how it's challenging what I see as the failing corporate media. And we're going to talk about his experience through this, the censorship he's experienced, as well as his perspectives on a lot of current events today. Spiro, how are you today? Hey, Ryan, I'm doing well. Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's always great to be on with you. Good to see you. You too, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. What we were just talking about before we went live is is the beginning of all this kind of COVID madness and how there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people, by the way, not to make it just about us, but there's a lot of people out there that were very quickly chipping away at this. Now, a lot there's a lot of people out there just to start off on this point that I think are always doing that. No matter what it is, it's like fake, 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 fake right out of the gate, right? That's, you know, not there. But there was a lot of us that were early on, we're kind of piecing these things together in ways that were not verifiable, but very clear that there was some dishonesty happening right out of the gate. And so it, we, I'd like to talk about that today in general, about your evolution of your understanding of what the COVID-19 illusion or situation has become and so on. But I'd like to start today with your whole experience in independent media, like pre-COVID, and then what you've seen and how it's changed and how it's evolved as we've gone into this kind of growing technocratic biosecurity state. Because it really has, in my opinion, at least, kind of exploded i mean it was growing a lot before but i think this has opened the doors for a lot of people and and maybe it's wishful thinking but i think in a way it's opened a lot of people's eyes to what's going on which has opened the doors to more people stepping into this field which in my opinion is a great thing so i guess my first question to you is you know what really was the first part first thing that brought you into the independent media you know and and how you perceive it you're doing the videos you're researching and then how have you seen your experience progress from there well, you know, it really uh, goes all the way back to when I was growing up. Um, and, you know, I was kind of always a little bit of I don't know, a rebel. I mean, I was in a punk rock scene and everything like that. And uh, I think my favorite band was the Subhumans and their very uh, anti-establishment, uh, you know, lyrics that they have and everything like that uh, back in the day growing up as a teenager. And then really my dad played an important role Um in that very critical time, that age, uh, you know, 13, 13, 14, we're a young, you know, a boy becoming a young man and everything like that. And my dad, he he would just give me so many amazing books to read that you would never be given uh, in a public school setting or anything like that. And, right. um, and one of the books was uh, written by James Perloff, who's a, a friend of both of ours, um, the, the Shadows of Power and the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission. And it was a, a really incredible book that I still recommend to this day. That's not a long read, um, not a difficult read at all, but it really just uh, like I could I always te- kind of tell that something wasn't adding up. And then when I read that and it kind of just opened up a, an entire new world to me. And so, you know, I would just growing up, I would always uh, you know, whenever I would hear BS or, or the narrative or whatever, people around me, just my environment talking about things, I would be like, well, did you know about this or what about this? And so I'd always try to be trying to uh, essentially wake people up or, or you know, or give people a, a different alternative, uh, you know, na- you know, perspective on a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I found out pretty quickly that you can't save everybody. And um, <laughs> so, you know, the, that really progressed into um, just searching and seeking out, uh, you know, through the Internet and everything and YouTube, especially and, and, and other websites, just trying to f- dig for information, especially with current events or even geopolitical events that were taking place. And, um, you know, trying to find out because, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious now 
for a lot of people that um, we've been lied to about pretty much everything our entire lives, just about, you know, so I've kind of always had that sneaking suspicion. And then now, you know, uh, really, uh, also, I got to give a shout out to Dabu Seven, who I was listening to a lot, uh, probably... Yeah, you know, of course, Alex Jones, I was listening to Alex Jones back in the day, too. I think some of his coverage on, like, for example, the Boston bombing, uh, Boston Marathon bombings was was pretty important. He has done, you know, whether you love or hate Alex Jones, and maybe we'll get into this later, um, you know, he has an evolution, too, that we've all witnessed. And right. uh, the Alex Jones of today is different than the Alex Jones of maybe 10 years ago or so, you know. And uh, But regardless, he did play a very uh, important role in the development of the independent media and the alternative media. And I don't think it would be the same um, if it wasn't for what he's done. I know a lot of people want to throw stones and say he's a shill or he's a this or that. Um, you know, regardless, at the end of the day, he's... Uh, an, an icon uh, or a, an important figure, whether it's famous or infamous or however you want to look at it uh, mm-hmm. in, in that alternative media perspective. So, but uh, yeah, of course, Alex Jones was influential for me as well as a lot of people. Dabu seven played a big part in me deciding to uh, you know, you know what? I, I, I can do this too. Like, let me just make a YouTube channel. And he did, he helped me with my first YouTube channel, um, like how to do it and get it going and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and then from there, you know, it, it kind of just expanded. I mean, my f- first videos were terrible. They, they were, it was some of the worst stuff I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> All of us are like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I make honest, that joke pointing back at my earliest videos, which by the way, you can't find now YouTube. It's, you know, it's gone, but it's bad. It's clumsy. It's just, it's uncomfortable. You know, and I always tell people, you just got to power through that, man. Just got to push through and just, you'll get more comfortable with it you know so it's funny and uh, sorry as now that i cut you off i just want to say that dabu seven as well big shout out to somebody that i was at early was somebody was very you know the short little videos the quick information and it really did was i always credit him for one of the earliest people that kind of made me want to do this you know along with a lot of people um anyway keep going i'll I'll, a couple points i'll make when you get to when you're when you're completed go ahead (laughs) no and that's just kind of it like i got in on the ground floor like you said with zero subscribers and then i just started to build it and build it and of course i did have bigger channels uh, that would help me out and support me and and show love and 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 everything like that and david also did that and and there's many others as well and so but yeah just starting from the ground floor getting to learn the ropes and how it all works and then start to uh, you know polish up and and you start to get used to it and and Mm -hmm. uh you know, because it's it's even now, uh, seriously, there's a different um, atmosphere versus having something that's pre-recorded versus something that's live. It's I don't know what right. it is with people. I've seen it. It happens to me. I've seen it with others. But when you when you push that live button, for some reason, it changes things. I don't know. I don't know yeah. why, but it just does. But, you know, that's just one of the many things that, that's involved and goes along with it. But, uh, yeah, from there, I, I actually ended up uh, working for uh, NewsBud, uh, an independent news organization. Um, I ended up. It was a startup. I'm sure you guys are some of you familiar with it and uh, was the executive producer over there, stayed there for a couple of years and then uh, started contributing over. Uh, actually, I took a little break after I, I quit there and, and went my our separate ways. Uh, took a little break for a little while and uh, came back and uh, reached out to the guys at Activist Post who have been great to me. They're, they're always, Good you know, so, yeah, they're really a gr- good group of people over there. And so uh, shout out to those guys. And uh, yeah, I've just, you know, leading up to you know 2020 like how that happened uh as far as you know there was a major explosion in the interest in alternative media or independent right. media around the pandemic because uh 
everyone was, this had never happened. Like people didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what to believe that everyone was locked down and locked at home for, you know, and so they had nothing better to do than just kind of hop online. And before and, you know it, they're on T labs channel. Right. Well, I would argue too, that they, even the average person, even if they were agreeing with it, had never seen in their lifetime, such an, an aggressive control on the flow of information. It's always been there. We've seen it, but this is the first time I think that these average people were like, Whoa, like I agree with what's happening, but wait a minute. Like, why are you blocking these other opinions? You know, it, it's weird in a, a place where they argue we have free speech. It's like, that doesn't, that doesn't connect for them. You know, it, it's shattering the illusion for these people, even if they were going along with it. So yeah, I agree. It, it just, it just exploded. And that, that's why I argue they kind of, shot themselves in the foot to a degree, you know? Well, yes. I mean, it, you know, I, I think looking here, we are halfway or more through 2022 now, two and a half years later, um, you know, more people I would argue are awake now than before all of this uh, COVID-1984 stuff. It can be so, hard to see it, but I agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think that that is uh, one of the silver linings uh, from our perspective, people who have had to live under this uh, uh, medical tyranny and, and you know, everything, uh, you mm -hmm. know, th that is one of the, the silver linings of this is that more people are awake now than ever. And, uh, you know, that, like you said, they, they may have shot themselves in the foot and then they've had to really kind of expose themselves in their censorship campaigns uh, to try to control the narrative. And, um, you know, like for me, for example, I had, uh, my channel blew up, uh, and, uh, with the reporting that I was doing and everything like that. And I had, you know, not that it's about how many, how big your channel is, how many subscribers you have, but still like the reach that you have, I mean, yeah. you know, it's important. Um, and it's something that you spend years on building, <laughs> you know, and put a lot of work into. And so I, had like 188,000 subscribers quickly approaching 200 K uh, had like nine and a half million views in 2020 alone, nice. um, which was incredible for me. Uh, and then just, they just uh, were just cut it down, gone. Like it never happened, you know? So uh, that's, you know, that's so, no, did you, did you get warnings or anything like that? I mean, it says that even though that doesn't make it any better, some people actually don't, you know, they just like pulled the rug out you know, no explanation. And actually that happened a lot more before it was more of a spotlight around them doing that. Like today, remember, even the idea that that could happen back then was a conspiracy theory. Remember that? It's like, no, you must've done something wrong, you know? And, and, but today it's like, they're, it's kind of, they kind of gotten off the rails with that, you know? So did you get, what was your notifications? What was the justification for why they did that? It was, it was always, uh, you know, Garbage, uh, really. But yes, I did get warnings and uh, it would be medical misinformation or something like that along those lines. And even 2020, though, you said 2020, um, the channel, I think, got t taken down in 2021 or something okay. like that. that. Makes sense. Yeah. And um, but, you know, over the course of some time, I, I did receive some warnings and, uh, you know, and I would appeal and, and a lot of times you would win those appeals, but even sometimes, and then they would reinstate your video and remove a strike from your channel. And it's a, not over here, not, not on this side. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's terrible. You're one of the most censored people online that I know. It feels that uh, way. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so sometimes even after you would win an appeal and they would remove a strike and reinstate the video or whatever, they would hit me again on that same thing later and then I would appeal and then they would just say no. Um, so, you know, for those that don't know YouTube and as similar to Twitter as you get like a three strikes and you're out rule, 
you know, kind of a thing. And and they'll they'll block features that you can access like uh, live streaming or, or you know, uh, even posting and stuff like that. If you have a strike for, you know, you'll be in like uh, on probation for a certain period of time and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think we all pretty much knew that it was coming. Uh, we could see it was coming. They were flexing that it was coming. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really care honestly like some people were remember people were like changing the way they were talking they were speaking right. in codes and even using signs like if they wanted to say a certain word that they didn't feel was you know they were allowed to say they would hold up a sign and stuff and everything like that and i get it like, there's ways to beat the algorithms and right. to trick the algorithm and stuff and like okay yeah this is like a you know a, a moving on to like some type of a warfare at this point um you know uh information warfare i guess right right so, but, but, you know, but I, I still find that to be self-censorship, even though I, like you said, I agree with, I mean, I don't agree with, I understand it. You know, I get why they're doing it and maybe they're right. But at the end of the day, for me, that was an early line. I was like, I'm not going to allow them to influence my speech. I'm just not going to do that. You know, it's like, it's, that's drawing a line for me, but so, you know, I, I'm the one that got censored and some of them are still there. So who knows, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. Something that I've dealt with as well. It's like, um, I, I said, I drew that same line in the sand said, no, you know, I'm not going to censor myself. I'm going to call it as I, as it is, you know, just speak. We have a right to. Yeah. It, well, yeah. you think we, we, we should, right. I mean, so we do, um, whether they respect it or not, you know, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, so, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think self-censorship is one of perhaps the worst kinds, if not the worst kind, most dangerous kind of censorship, because once they can instill that that fear or set that position, that those boundaries, and then you adhere to them, then you're basically, you're, you're silence at that point. I mean, is it compliance? I mean, you're going along. I mean, it's like... Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's... They, they, they then also can move those lines. And it's the same thing we're seeing with everything today. It's like, the, you know, with this you you adhere to the line and the next thing it's a little bit further. And you're like, well, that's what's one more word, you know, and then 10 years down the line, you look back and you're like, well, I'm, I can't even speak anymore. You know, it's Jordan Peterson has a good clip on that where he talks about the how they make that happen. You know, they wait till you get a little bit upset and then they wait, you know, mm-hmm. and then you get comfortable again. And then, it, you know, it's mm-hmm. over. And you just you got you. The moment you start complying, you know, we're seeing that real seriously happening with the COVID injections and technocracy and all that. It's pretty clear, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly uh, their tactic, uh, their modus operandi. Basically, yeah, they'll they'll push, uh, you know, right up until that point, that breaking point, get real close to it. And then they'll stop and let mm-hmm. everything kind of cool down and simmer down. And then after a little bit of time goes by, some other distractions or whatever takes place, then they they are right then again pushing. Yeah. With and, a new and, title, and a new name, a new justification, the same thing, you know? Yeah, they've been doing it for uh, generations, essentially preparing us, in my view, for where we are right now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 9-11 is a, a great example of that. You know, that, that allowed them to establish uh, the police state and the surveillance state and everything, which right. uh, is now, of course being used and weaponized against all of us. We've seen these weapons of war abroad come home and now turned against the people. And, and, you know, so it's, it's the same, same type of uh, strategy that I believe that they've been doing to us our at least my entire life, you know, for generations. Yeah, I agree. Well, but let, since we're on the topic of censorship, I do, let, let's, let's discuss the Alex Jones situation. I think that's, in, I'm very interested by that, but before we get too far away from it, I just wanted to, to uh, make a couple comments about your opening story there. I think it's really interesting there's always somebody in your life speaking of the person i think you said your father that gave you the books that opened your mind right i mean there's always somebody whether it's a teacher or a friend or whatever that you know opens that door for you 
you know, and all I want to make people see there is that it's all about go out and plant that seed, man. It's you, you never know how many people you can influence and change and expand their mind. And maybe not even right then, maybe 10 years down the line, something connects and it was your seed that goes, Oh my God, now it makes sense. You know, so everyone out there learn from that, you know, it's like, and, and it grows and it expands, you know, and come back and water that seed, you know, cause maybe it's not growing. It's an important thing to think about as well as just questioning. You know, it opens the door to you just simply not knowing everything, but willing to question things, even things that we're supposed to think are established. And that's what it all comes down to. I think that's so important. And I think that's exactly why they censor people like us, because we're willing to be objective. And I'd also add nonpartisan, but that's another conversation. But Alex Jones is really interesting to me. My audience is well aware of my general opinion. And to be clear about it, I don't know. I don't think anybody can know for sure whether he or anybody else for that matter, unless we've got something verifiable, a documentation that he's a shill or works for this or that, you know, my ultimate opinion would be if I had to put a fine point on it, that it's obvious. And even to a point to where I think they're generally aware of it, that they are used as a way to to dismiss discussion. And if I were in that position, I would be like, well, that's almost all the more reason to be as far more objective and less bombastic to make sure that they don't do it. But today it's almost like, you know, you see reasons why they are screaming and it's, it's more of a show half the time or that they're in a court of law and they argue that nobody reasonable takes them serious. Therefore that, you know, those kind of things we know those have all happened. And so I just, I argue that there's a level of that, whether they mean to or not, that's already used where if they say it, therefore it's now fake news in the general discussion. And I think that's just dangerous. It doesn't mean that they're fake news or they, to your point, they've done a lot of good work over the years and they have been ahead of a lot of stories, you know, And so all of that aside, my opinion or whatever else, it's interesting to see how this is playing out. Even funny enough, even like multiple people emailing me like, I can't believe you're ignoring Alex Jones's story. And I'm like, well, hump the brakes here. I'm not. There's a lot going on. And I I knew I was going to talk to you about this today, but that it is going to be used whether or not he is a shill or not or fake news or not to attack people like us or anybody for that matter. And that means it's important. You know, I make the same argument about Julian Assange where i my opinion is very clear to this point now where it's I think it's obvious this person is had good intentions. That's my opinion. And he's that's why it's going the way going the way it is. But even if it's not the case, even if Assange is working for the CIA, when people argue, it will still be used against us. Right. Everything that's happening there is still going to be used to shut down independent media. So what's happening to Alex Jones is is monumentally important. The fact that they can do what they're doing based on a conversation that needs to be had. I mean, it's like Sandy Hook conversation is just as is. It's one of those things that was very quickly made so taboo that you weren't even allowed to have a conversation about it. And that right there crosses the line. We should be able to converse objectively about anything, even if it's something that upsets people, you know? So what are your general thoughts on that? On his well, whole thing? I, I think, uh, I think you really uh, wrapped that up pretty nicely there. Uh, so we can move on to the next. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, definitely. I, <laughs> I want your thoughts on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, Alex, uh, again, like I, I mentioned earlier, he, he, they've done a lot for the independent media. I firmly believe it wouldn't be what it is today uh, without the pioneering work that InfoWars has done. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, I have met Alex. I've, I've been there in studio. I've been on his show, his guest multiple times. I was David Knight's guest multiple times. I've I've, I've met the crew. You know, I, I've met the, mm-hmm. the, the people and, and, you know, so I've, I've been there and then people will call me a shill because I had an opportunity to go on one of the biggest shows out there and talk about some of the event 201 stuff or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, whatever. I honestly, I don't really care what, you know, the, the people say about me and this and that. I, I just try to s- keep all the drama out and, and stick to what's important, what I need to get done and, and right. 
you know, spend more time researching, uh, you know, facts and stuff <laughs> rather than drama and everything. But, right. but anyways, you know, yeah, it's, I, and, and again, I'm not like buddies with Alex Jones. I don't have his cell phone number. I can't like call him up right now or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have any desire to, um, but you know, it's looking at what has taken place here. It wasn't that long ago where Alex Jones was the canary in the coal mine for online censorship. Mm-hmm. Like he was the first one that they really went after and deplatformed. And right. the big tech did it in such a way to where it was nearly impossible to believe that they were not communicating with each other about when and how and what they were going to do. Because if you remember, he got yeah. banned from like multiple platforms within like on the same day or within like a day or two, you know, just that, completely one of the clearest parts of all of it. There's no way these independent boards with their shareholder, all these, you know, there's a big discussions and actions. And like you said, there was not just two, there's multiple platforms all at the same point. Of course they colluded. And we're seeing that more clearly today with the CDC Twitter overlap and the government's involved. And we should all know this by now. So absolutely agree. You know, and um, when they, when they deplatformed Alex Jones and Infowars, people like you and I, and many others were, like I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm sure you would, you know, agree. You know, I was pretty uh, worried about it at the time because I knew that they were setting a new precedent that would then be turned and used against us. And, and we're watching then, that play out right now. Yes. How many oh, times? You're saying, go ahead. Yeah. How many times have we been censored? How many people do you know that have been censored since then? Right. You know. So, and then now with this court case. You know, again, here we are. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of little interviews of Alex asking, you know, with the media outside of the courtroom, for example, and they're asking him, you know, what are his thoughts on the case? And he's like, well, it's a kangaroo court. Um, the, the judge already declared I'm guilty. And now, we're, you know, the, the jury is basically going to decide on how guilty I am. And, you know, he's like, I thought this was America. I'm supposed to be, you know, judged by a jury of my peers of my innocence and that. So, you know, he's got a valid point there. I know that this was a, a libel suit and everything. And so it's a little different. And I'm not a lawyer or anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the way they made it a show trial at the same time that they're having uh, Nicholas Cruz's trial was he was a mass sh- shooter somewhere. And, and you know, so the, just the timing of all this stuff, it's like, yeah. where's the, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial? Like, I, I can't even get a picture out of that right. courtroom. But this whole thing is televised like a all day for hours and hours, you know? And so um, they, they really went after them. And so I think that they're setting a dangerous precedent potentially uh, to use, to try to uh, shut places, um, you know, sites down. And, and in the closing statements, the plaintiff made that very clear. In fact, he said that clearly as day, like shut him down, make sure that he can never, ever do this again. And, uh, you know, so that to me made it was very clear of like what this was all about and right. how, and how this could be turned against us. Because if you look at how they began the YouTube censorship of channels like ours, um, it was through monetization. They mm-hmm. attacked the money first. They they took away ads and stuff to try to disincentivize people from, you know, making a, a living or a career, spending all that time doing the, you know, you know, if they take away the money, then they, they'll shut them down. And, and then, you know, and then it escalated from there to from, uh, you know. Uh, demonetization to shadow banning to outright banning and so yeah. you know that's that's kind of my my concern now like seeing like this new stage because you know right after they deplatformed alex jones for example they 
they banned Trump too, like from Twitter. They kicked Which him off Twitter. Twitter. They can kick Trump, the president, off of Twitter. They can do whatever that you know what I mean. They can get away with. They can kick you off. They're not. No one's going to give a crap about you know <laughs> me getting kicked off. And that is, I mean, that really it. You cannot overstate how huge and how wildly downplayed that was. The sitting president censored on you know. I mean, on first of all. It's not just Twitter, right? We need to acknowledge what it has become, even if we want to hate what it is and what it represents and how they censor. I mean, it really is. uh, This is why I keep arguing why I'm using pirate accounts to be on there. Regardless of how what garbage they push out, it is one of the best places for real-time information, even if you have to, on top of that, you have to acknowledge that half of it could be fake. That that's any reality. People can say what they want. It could be inf- misinformation, but nonetheless, you get that real time stuff that they can't get out of the way. You know, they get censored. But Ukraine, anything else, it's really important. So to see Trump of all people or any president censored like that, I would even argue other presidents of other countries. That's crazy. I mean, you're going so far out of the way, and especially at a point where you're arguing that it's based on what misinformation. I mean, that term is so overused. And mi- I mean, going back to Alex Jones in that regard. I mean, it's so it's it's just so alarming to see what they're doing based on the idea that it's like it's it's not even about whether it was a broken law or it's about that it's it's not what's the right word for it like it's 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 not sensitive you know you're doing what about the kids and you're doing it what about the parents and it's like well wait a minute those things don't not they don't it's not that they don't matter but. This is about the truth, and this is about having objective conversation. Do we not have free speech? Like, just because it makes these people upset doesn't then therefore make your speech go away. You see, but they're set, like you said, they're setting that precedent that now we can just act like that's just not, uh, I can't, there's a word that I'm looking for there, but like it's just insensitive. Therefore, you're not allowed to do it. You know, and it's like th- that's basically what they're doing. Because, I mean, not to get into Sandy Hook unless you want to make points about it, but there's been plenty of conversation around that that I think there's points around that that I think deserve conversation. Very real stuff that I'm like, that is a little bit disconcerting, you know? And so the bottom line is, and I've made videos about it in the past, he should have a right to speak on it, period. Even if you think he's wrong, you know? So the fact that they're standing up and not only saying he did wrong here, but you should now remove his voice going forward. I mean, we need to see the writing on the wall. I mean, that is pretty damn crazy. Yeah, that's it should be uh, terrifying uh, to everybody. I mean, that's yeah. like, um, you know, and, and it's just another example of how this system has been weaponized uh, and turned against the people. And it's completely exactly. different than what it was intended to be when it was founded, based on my understanding of the founding of this country and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and everything. It's just, um, yep. you know, it, and we're seeing it across the board, you know, um, every agency and institution and everything. I mean, the, it's just, um, it's it's really causing people to lose faith in the system itself. And I think that that is by design as well. Uh, it's, I, too. I think it's a psychological tactic to demoralize people and to get them to accept um, the collapse of the system and, and the right. transition into a new and improved uh, digitalized system of control, which I think is, was, you know, obviously where, where we're heading at this point. It, it, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to see it at this point. But this is what we were warning of right. two plus two years ago and being censored for. And exactly. now it's it's on our doorstep. Now it's it's here. And, you know, so I, I don't know about you, but I need some new conspiracy theories because all my other ones came true. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, right. Exactly. What isn't true <laughs> these days? I mean, and it's what's crazy about it is even your first comment that like we're finding out like we've been lied to about everything. And it's like not even hyperbolic. Like we're going to like 
all of a sudden they're like, oh, guess what? That's not even how depression works. And SSRIs are hurting people. Oops. It's like, well, yeah, we've been yelling about that for 20 years. And it's like, these are, it's happening so rapidly or Alzheimer's conversation, all the drugs around that, that these huge paradigm shifting conversations are being squeaked out around the sides. It's just alarming to see how dishonest pretty much everything is. And it's always in the center around profit, but now we're seeing that being used to drive us into what they want to do next, you know, and it is pretty, pretty disconcerting. The, I, I want to get into the COVID-19 conversation before we do. Oh, actually, I wanted to point out, by the way, you talked about the monetization. Rumble's already doing that to me. I made this point yesterday. I said, guys, remember where this started with YouTube. I'm not trying to be the, you know, the, the chicken little here. I, but I, I've been saying it about Rumble has all the same situations or, you know, connections that made YouTube vulnerable. You know, and it's the same stuff. So I don't know why we would put our eggs in that basket. Republicans seem to think it's the free bastion of free speech. They're all on our side. It's just, and I, I showed yesterday, I've got three videos that have already been demonetized. You know, one about Israel and the other two about COVID-19 stuff. And one was even about, it, like, if you're thinking it's a partisan thing, one was like a very clear, like Joe Biden, this and that, and it was demonetized. And I'm just like, so just remember, that's where it started. You know, so if we're already creeping in that direction, it's just one quick step to, you know, so be prepared, guys. That's why I think use as many platforms as possible. You know, spread your eggs out through those baskets. That's what I think anyway. But uh, unless you have comments on that, I think I wanted to get into uh, just really quickly, actually, the, the Trump rating. And con- I just wanted your quick take on this because I found it really, really interesting how it's obvious to me this is politically motivated. You know, th- but yet there's another whole aspect of this that the way that the partisanship plays their game around it. So what, what are your thoughts about how that's happened so far? So I would agree with you uh, being politically motivated. It's obvious uh, at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, there are multiple, uh, it appears to be multiple different investigations underway. Um, One uh, one thing that I I did watch quite a bit of the uh, Alex Jones trial. I didn't really watch the Amber Heard, uh, Johnny Depp one. (laughs) He didn't have to. It was play by play on Twitter all day long, right? Every video possible to your point about Ghislaine Maxwell. It's like every cut and every scene everywhere is ridiculous. Yes. Oh man. But I I did tune into some of the, the, the testimony and and everything that was going on with the Alex Jones trial. And uh, one of the things that I found uh, surprising was at the very end and, and even towards, uh, you know, a couple days before the very end, where the plaintiff um, had Alex Jones on the stand and he was uh, interrogating him, basically, right? Uh, Questioning him, I guess is the proper term. And he had a gotcha moment, like an aha gotcha. Uh, That's when we all learned that Alex Jones' attorney had mistakenly sent like a lot of information from Alex's phone to the plaintiffs um, that was not, they weren't supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And so you can't tell me that they weren't pouring through it. In fact, during the examination, during the questioning, the the plaintiff made it, he, 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 it was like an aha, gotcha moment. This is how I know you're lying to me because your attorney sent me all this information that he wasn't supposed to. And at the very end of the trial, um, he informed the judge and, uh, everyone in the courtroom that he was planning on turning that information over to the January 6th committee, um, which the judge acted like she wasn't even uh, aware of at the time. And, um, but the committee, I guess, had contacted him already requesting it. So some people knew about it already. Like this was, he was getting ready to hand it over right after the trial. And so, you know, the, the January 6th thing is another, um, 
it's it's another opportunity for them to further this this political and weaponization of you know of the their political opponents essentially of anyone who speaks out anyone who dares to question and it looks like they were using this in this trump situation with the the raid that's not a raid at his uh mansion there in florida can't stand the word stuff yeah yeah (laughs) it's crazy to see um but yeah so Apparently, they were going for National Archives information, um, but That's you can't tell goes. me. Yeah, yeah. You can't tell me that they're not also looking at this from a January 6th uh, perspective right. of trying to see what else they can scoop up, potentially. Um, can, you know, can you clarify for me for, and for those that don't know the, the breakdown of what the Alex Jones part of it, right? So what was it that they had? What was the gotcha moment and what was on the documents that they, that you know, can you explain that for people? Um, yeah, it was a... a Text messages, a lot of messages and information that was on Alex's phone um, that the January 6th committee would wanted and they had requested from the plaintiffs in the Alex Jones lawsuit. They had access to the phone and the way that they got that access was Alex Jones attorney had mis- mistakenly sent them too much information. Right. And, and so they had a lot. Now, Alex came out afterwards. I watched his uh, he did a little interview uh, with uh, Robert Barnes. Um, and he was talking about how, don't worry, we looked, there's nothing on there. They, they don't got nothing. They got a nude picture of my wife. That's about it. You know, that's what he was saying. So he was telling somebody that whoever he was communicating with, like that wasn't, and he's telling his audience that, but probably somebody in the audience specifically, maybe, I don't know. That was kind of the impression that I got there. But, um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff. What was he supposedly lying about? That's what I was interested in. Like, like, what was the lie that they caught him in? He, uh, I, f- I forget specifically. They, um, to me, the takeaway was that the plaintiff revealed to at that point that hey, w- we, uh, we, we know you're lying, and it was something dumb. It was something like Alex was like, oh, I don't recall, or I don't know, or mm-hmm. something like that. And he's like, oh, but you do know because we have your text messages here. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Like, That's your moment. So. So, so it definitely seems to relate back to yeah. I mean, it. De- I mean, it's 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 almost ridiculous to pretend that that. Whether or not the raid was about the national doc, the archive documents, which there was some history about that leading up to this. So it seems clear that that was involved or that Alex Jones is about Sandy Hook, that both of these are being used in other ways to facilitate their January 6th investigation or things they can find to get that. I feel like that's an easy thing to assume. We can't know for sure, but everything they're doing seems to be centered around that right now, you know. But so what's interesting to me about the Trump thing is just the way that it's. Everything we see today is politically motivated from the left and the right. I mean, that's just the world we live in. Everything they're doing is politically motivated from foreign policy to human rights, everything. And so what's interesting is that it's obvious that's politically motivated and it would be from the other side, too, I would argue. But the way that the partisanship played their roles, this I mean, even right now, there's information that has not fleshed out. It's still coming out. It's still being developed. And yet before we knew anything, both sides had already established their narratives and were screaming from the rooftops. And they're the same narratives now. So it just makes me kind of it just why can't we see that that the it's not how can you so you're choosing a side it's it's, it's team sport politics we're going to pick them because I like this guy and we're going to stick with that narrative it's like why don't we wait for the data the facts to come out and not just because they say that this is what they did doesn't mean that's true but we should wait for the narrative to come out you know and I, I think New York Post Daily Mail both put out some pretty good overview of what we knew so far. And basically, you know, that they that they were meeting with them. Right. And that they were going back and forth and that the argument is that they didn't feel that he was being as forthcoming as he should have been. And if that's true, 
they would arguably have a legal precedent to make to take action to take back the documents. But of course, then there's the argument of why they didn't do that for Hillary Clinton and the obvious double standard there. You know, so it's, it's political no matter how you spin it. But I just think it's frustrating that no matter what happens, that's what they're going to argue. I don't care if they find a, a treasure trove of pornog- child porn in his safe. They're going to say, no, they planted it. It's fake news. And maybe they did. But it doesn't. I mean, what's your take on how how do we get past something like that? If no one's ever going to try to get to the truth and it's always about partisan narrative, even when stuff's coming out, you know, nothing means everything. Right. I mean, or everything means nothing. However you want to look at it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I. I'd like to uh, point out that, uh, like yourself, Ryan, uh, I'm nonpartisan. I I don't subscribe or endorse any political party or ideology or candidate or anything like that. And that's something that I really respect about you. Um, I think that as someone who does uh, journalism and commentary and everything like that, uh, it's very important uh, to remain neutral. Otherwise, it's not fair to the audience. I'm not we're not here to tell you who to vote for, how to vote or or anything like that. Like, that's, that's not what you know. And we how do, how else can we be objective you know if if we if we're not neutral it's unethical i i believe in my view and so and that's honestly why around the time i stopped listening to alex jones is when he jumped on the trump train and it was just trump 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 all day every day i was like okay i got to find something else to do so you know and whatever i'm i'm not trying to hate on nobody or anything that's just that's just how it happened so mm-hmm. um now this this whole thing like the country obviously is a mess right now and um doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. Everybody sees it. Everybody feels it. And people are pissed. And um, the fact that it's so blatant has others, you know, like outraged. Right. And mm-hmm. so when we're starting to see um, how the FBI, for example, their fingerprints are all over this, like with the whole Trump raid, mm-hmm. I've seen reports suggesting that the Trump people believe that they have a mole. In fact, they have it down to about six to eight people it could potentially be who uh, is an FBI informant. Okay, so you have, you know, their FBI's fingerprints there. We, we have uh, the FBI's fingerprints all over January 6th, uh, you know, instigating and, and undercover informants and this and that and, and provocateurs. And I mean, you know, the, they won't talk about that. And it's been brought up how many times and everything. And so, you know, the, the, and, and these things are causing division. Like, you know, we, we've seen... Yeah. Uh, you know, many, many other examples of how uh, there are like covert tactics that are used to cause and create division and mm-hmm. then uh, to justify their their bloated budgets and their uh, increasing uh, power. And, and uh, you know, so we're really pushing the civil war idea too right now, like every possible yeah. angle. And that seems to be that for sure. Yes. And and they're setting the stage for it. It doesn't matter if we're looking at food shortages, water shortages, power shortages. Uh, people are going to be pissed off already. And, and then now you're, you know, the the we can't trust the DOJ and the FBI. And, the you know, I mean, it's like people like they're setting the stage for something is what it looks like to me. I and agree. the midterms are coming up. I'm not sure how quickly some of this is going to pop off. Um, but you know, it's it's really amazing to see that, um, you know, there, there's nothing more dangerous than like a wounded or cornered animal. And, right. and it's kind of like as we approach these midterms and they're talking about this big red wave coming. And honestly, I believe that oftentimes uh, the left and the right have been two sides of the same coin against we the people working together against we the people. And it's just a show to keep us, you know, happy and uh, oh, busy fighting each, each other over, you know, petty differences rather than realizing that they're all coming after us all, you know? Um, but one, one point that I'd like to uh, highlight uh, noting that is that it just came out that uh, Congressman Jim Jordan um, is requesting that a former 
FBI official come and uh, testify under oath uh, due to a whistleblower's claims that FBI agents were pressured to reclassify domestic violent extremism uh, to or, you know reclassify cases that mm. would then be under domestic violent extremism category in order to fulfill the Biden administration's crusade against homegrown terrorism. Of so course. If, if it's so bad, why do they got to manufacture the very threats that, I mean, how many times are we going to see this? The same playbook yeah. over and over, you know? That, so. that whole topic, I, and my audience knows I've been really chipping, uh, the, uh, the obvious overlap and direct connection to the Azov movement, the Rise Above movement, Charlottesville, like I and the CIA building that in, in the Ukraine, it's January 6th, all this stuff connects, man. And I very clearly believe they're building this to set up Republicans, conservatives, as the scapegoat for this whole white supremacy lone shooter thing it's it's very real and whether that's all of it or not i mean it's very obvious to me i want to make some points though about like the fbi i don't know if you saw i think today or yesterday there was a guy who like tried to break into the fbi right so there's it's like what is that is that right after all this stuff it's like he's probably going to be a conservative and it was about the attack for trump and you can see how this all connects but also and i haven't verified this but there's a lot of discussion around uh apparently the judge that was on uh the uh, Trump's lawsuit against the Clintons and in, in connection there, they, there was a judge that recused himself that ended up being the judge that was involved with this. And there's all this weird overlap. And, you know, that could be something or it could just be that he's a judge and he, there's cases happening or, you know, but it's everything to the Republican, but it, it's relevant, I find. So it's, it's interesting to see how all this is being built. And I argue, and I think you and I even have talked about this before, that Trump in, in its essence, the whole idea of Trump and, and MAGA and everything was allowed to be put in place so that this could happen. You know, like so it could suppress, you know, to, to the people that I think would be the most to push back against COVID, which we'll talk about next. And and also that they could be they could create the idea of which which they did nationalism and all the which, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean white supremacy or fascism. It's a just ridiculous overlap, but that they're very clearly using that to build this narrative. And we've watched it and it's been patched together from nothing. You know what I mean? Like they really are January 6th. I mean, it's just embarrassing. I mean, we're going to look back on that argument. And it's just the fact that they're screaming, even talking about how it's like 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. It's like, you know how insulting that is to the people that actually died? You know, but you, you know all this. It's so interesting to see how that seems to have been a plan. Either way, it's obviously being used. Well, I mean, at this point, I don't think we can rule anything out. Um, you know, like people, I, even myself, I tweeted out, okay, Hey, that when I saw the connection between the judge who signed off in the warrant at Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. um, in his connection to representing Epstein pilots that and too. stuff like right. that, I'm like, right. okay, but, but then, you know, if you bring that up, people are rightfully quick to point out, well, uh, you know, well, Trump was hanging out with Epstein and stuff too. Right. So, you know, right. I mean, it's, yeah, that's always been a question. Is he compromised? I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, for well, the- years, uh, huh. Well, just real quickly, the point that I always make about compromise, and I, actually Whitney just talked about this again on AM Wake Up today, is is and this is something we all know is that you know Trump in, in general, I think it was the '90s, you know, he was basically bailed out, not basically bailed out of like massive bankruptcy by these these gigantic corporations and banks, and and so the argument goes that he's essentially been. Uh, indebted to them, you know, and that, that, that he wouldn't have been. And I think there even was a statement essentially saying that, well, he was more valuable to us as the entity of Trump than the money, you know. And so, I mean, it's just hard not to see that and that there's connections there, you know, the Rockefeller kind of conversation. And it's it doesn't have to be everything. But I think it shows you that there is a lot 
more going on behind, you know, on the underbelly of all the politics and all the world foreign policy to these large entities that really do pull. I mean, we're seeing that happen with the World Economic Forum, right? It's it's that's what we're watching play out on other sides of it, too. And I think that's what makes me question. I mean, or the fact that he runs and changes his political party or suddenly becomes a Christian, all these things that aren't really what his he's historically been. And it seems like a play, but see, you say these things and conservatives hate you for it, you know, even though you can prove this stuff, you know, so it's just this ongoing manipulation, I think. And that's where I come back to the two party paradigm of it all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, you make some really good points and I'll give Trump credit on things that he's done good. He pulled out right. of the Paris Climate Accord, for example, he dropped a, um, what was the, uh, that trade, it wasn't NAFTA, it was some, there was oh, some... Oh. Uh, the the uh, TTI no that was the TTIP something like that no, yeah, I, yeah I think yeah it, it's the other one I think but in any case I know what you're talking about it was the right. big trade deal go ahead so there was you know some couple good examples there of stuff that he's done good the, these guys talk a good game um you know uh, before he was elected remember he was talking about uh, potential vaccine injuries of even his own son and and then you know the nine eleven stuff and right. so you know but and a lot of this stuff kind of changed and then towards the end. You know, I mean, he's the godfather of the vaccine now. Uh, it's it's one of his legacies and, and that, you know, um, and so I don't know. He we we can't really know for sure at this point. The thing is, is um, people have been conditioned to w- want and believe and expect that somebody's going to come save them at the end a of the savior. day. Right. And and, you know, that's a dangerous mindset to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get being, you know wanting or having a hero and this and that and you know i mean okay i get all that but like we can't just sit around and trust the plan while we're sitting on the couch while you know they're you know i mean i mean that's that's a great point to connect with what you're saying before i mean we can we not see this ongoing effort long before this to pacify that grouping of people trust the plan sit back you know and then trump is the same thing it's like because he was there the same point those those people, the, the militias, the constitutionalists would have been the first people to flip out with the smallest fraction of what Trump did if it was Obama, if it was Biden. But because it was Trump, they were like, well, we're, it's Trump. We won. You know, I mean, so even QAnon was about setting that in their mindset. You know, well, just we, we have it. We're already winning. You know, God, it's just so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, and that 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 was a big sign up there that they ended up using to axe a lot of channels and and a lot of censorship. Right. Any people who were promoting the the Q stuff, well, you know, they were gone in like a day. Everybody all at once. So you know, and then like you said, to control. Not today, though. Not today, well, though. What I find interesting flip on that is now they want them there because they. I argue they want to use those people as the scapegoat. They mm-hmm. want them. It's like it's like that meme I point out of the guy poking do something with a stick. You know, they're like, come on, Q. Raid the Capitol, you know, do something so we can blame you for this. And I I genuinely think that's why I'm stressing to all of them. Even if you hate me because I attack Q and and a general idea, they're trying to use you, right? They're trying to set you up. Don't fall for it, right? Don't, they, they, I mean, I'm not arguing that there's not a time and place for literal marching through the street kind of action, especially when you're like, like I've argued even from a libertarian standpoint, violence is justified in some cases. I just simply argue, though, that I don't believe in violence when it comes to political change. I just violence begets violence. And I'll always take that stance. But even if it comes to that kind of action today, I feel like we need to pause for a minute and be like, are we walking into a trap? You know, because I think the moment it happens, it's that's the that's they'll take that bait and they'll run with it. Yeah. And it, this has been going on for years. This was I mean, there's old videos of like DHS talking about how constitutionalists are domestic right. terrorists and there's documents. I mean, they, they've so been crazy. trying to set that narrative, you know, people who believe in the founding fathers are domestic extremist terrorists and stuff. It's like, what? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's 
almost it's a crime to be a, a, a an American, uh, certainly a, a white American, and, and especially if you're patriotic and you love your country, you love your freedoms, right? I mean, it's it's getting to the point to where it's um, things are coming to a head, certainly, and right. I, I think that it's by design. I think that they've used this country and its military strength to overthrow countries around the world that weren't on the uh, on board that didn't have a central bank, for example, set up already or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. and now that they have basically colonized, you know, and, and taken over through uh, forms, you know, like the World Economic Forum through venues like that, and through their infiltration of governments and cabinets around the world. And then that coupled with the military in uh, conquering, essentially, and using the the terror threat that you know, uh, as a proxy army to destabilize these other nations that would then justify U.S. intervention. Like, you know, it's got to the point now to where the U.S., they're kind of done with it. They're kind of done with the dollar system and the petrodollar and the oil. And and like they're getting ready to transition into this whole new system. So they don't really need this country anymore. They don't really need the dollar. Everything's going to be digital. It's going to be green and electric. I mean, it's like they're setting the stage for some crazy stuff. I mean, it doesn't look good. It it, doesn't. well, this is why you could ha- you I can you can completely understand the argument coming. I would argue largely from a conservative standpoint of our country being literally like usurped. I mean, they, you know, but I would argue the same stuff was there in Trump's administration. It just that's where you lose people because of the two party paradigm and you can't make change. That's my same point. But that you can see their argument. I mean, we're watching these this connection of like Biden or Trudeau or any of these people actively, openly taking action that undermines the interest of Americans. I don't care what argument you make about some greater good or 2030. We didn't vote for that. People don't want that. And even if you think that's the worst for the planet. It's, it's the reality of our you can't just decide one day that you don't have to listen to people. But the point, as I hope we're seeing now, is they never needed to in their minds. They never have been like that's the illusion we need to realize. It's always been that way. We're just starting to understand it really clearly. But, yeah, I, I mean, whether it's China or any other, we can see the influence coming from outside. And it's it's quite alarming. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly is. And, um, you know, as we come up on the midterms, I mean, this is what, August 11th today or, uh, you know, I mean, it's coming up right around the corner um, here in a couple months. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, uh, one of the silver linings is that all of this stuff's kind of caused people to kind of wake up and get active and be involved and stuff. And and the Trump and MAGA movement has done that as well. And we're starting to see a lot of people who never would have uh, considered running for office before, um, you know, good hardworking Americans, professionals and stuff like they're, they're stepping up and they're, they're just saying, you know what, I need to do something about this. And so we're seeing a whole new wave of candidates come through and some of them are are really popular and uh, they're winning primaries, unseating uh, longtime establishment candidates. Um, And it's, it's interesting to see for, again, being a nonpartisan um, from the outside looking in, you know, and I mean, of course we all, have some level of bias, right? I mean, if like, if you have two candidates and if you're non-biased, you're non-partisan and you're not going to vote for either one of them, but you know that this one will probably, my life will probably be better <laughs> for my family and my kids, or you know what I mean? Like if this so, guy so gets they're them. So that what they say, you know, based on what they're saying, right? And I agree right. with you though, but you have still take it with a grain of salt. But what, what I, what's interesting is, I mean, I hope, I mean, I said this during the, be- the beginning of the Q discussion. I said, guys, it's such an obvious scam. But you know what? I hope you're right. I, I, every day I'm like, please tell me that they're right and I'm wrong, that there are actually people in the government that care about our constitutional rights. Because, like, you know, I'm jaded. Everybody out there watching, you know how jaded I am with I, I, it's, I've, I've learned my lesson. I've, I've t- trusted people and gotten screwed yeah. every single time. So the bottom line is 
it's just like I, I want to believe that this influx of, of, you know, average Republicans out there taking these positions are genuinely care. But I, I'm going to wait to see action. I, I just I'm not going to yeah. get on board and start cheering for something just because no. they say they care about your medical freedom. I Like, I think we talked on the phone the other day about this, and I'm scared, I'm terrified that what's going to happen is this is going to roll in and it's just going to be another ju- a justification from the other side for the same things, you know, but now we trust them because they actually know and they wouldn't lie to us or it's now Trump's vaccine again. Therefore we trust it. And I'll actually play a clip about that in a second. It's just, it's, I'm really scared about that. You know? Well, we have to uh, always be on the lookout that we're, and especially being as members you know, of the media, uh, we're, that's our job. We're supposed to be the watchdogs and holding right. these people accountable. And um, you know, I'm, I'm getting, well, I'm going to I'm going to anyway, I'm going to skip that. I was going to say something, but I want to let the cat out of the bag about the report that I'm doing. But no um, yeah, well, let us know and we'll include it in the show notes when it comes out. Great. Thanks. Um, but, you know, I'm also concerned about uh, potential false flags, you know, big ones. Yeah, uh, like, right. I mean, it, again, you know, uh, they're a, potentially a cornered animal or maybe this is all part of the, their plan that they've had war gamed and out or something. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, you know, from the surface it looks like it's the left that's the bad ones and they're the ones that i mean that's the way the media is trying to portray it and everything like yeah. that and so you know and, um, and it could be i mean i mean maybe. it's again but i just I, I just don't see that being possible with all the things we talked about but it could be i mean that could be i hope i'm wrong you know i hope these people are standing up for us but go ahead yeah, sorry are we done no yeah I, i'm just saying like i'd be on the lookout for you know another shoe to drop potentially like i like i mean this is you know, we're uh, entering, you know, like when I was talking to uh, uh, David Ike about this uh, a couple of years ago, I interviewed him. And uh, the way he described it was that this is a, a period of great opportunity, but it's also a period of great danger. Or maybe it was right. vice versa. Great danger, great opportunity. And, and I think that that really still holds true right now where we mm-hmm. stand. Yeah, I agree. I, I would argue January 6th, again, was one of those attempted false flags. Like they, they were set up and they were just waiting for these people to rush in with guns and, and claim the office. And it didn't happen. They all just, you know, most of them anyway, milled around and took pictures. And, you know, there were some people, yeah, that clearly took action that I, you could argue was illegal. But, you know, we can get that. That's a, a, a quagmire of a conversation right there. I wanted to play two things before we talk about COVID. And I hope we're not running past time. Let me know if you have to go. Um, this, this clip is it's just funny to me. And it's it's a it's somebody being asked about Trump and he claims he's a criminal. And I'll let this video speak for itself. It's kind of funny. President to arrest a former president for not well, turning into the former president that had committed this many provable criminal acts. But what are the provable criminal acts, I guess? <sighs> provable criminal acts. Well, I'm just I, I I'm done talking. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out the way i mean you know it's just so funny because again and it's why well, it doesn't even matter i don't always have to make the it's all an all sides point but the, the the point is just so like that's a person who is willing to stand up in front of a media personality and say provable everything and then what kinds and it's ugh. like so even doesn't even matter if you couldn't remember them that means that you're not sir i just this is the problem with people like this today in all sides that we're willing to stand up and shout what you're supposed to say, even if you don't even know if it's true, that COVID-19, yeah. that's everywhere. Wow. That's funny. That's a funny clip. Uh, yeah. He, I don't know. He gave him the soundbite. You, you might see that other, the front half of the soundbite on other channels right. somewhere, you know, right. but maybe not that, that second half there where he's like, Oh, <laughs> I just think it's funny, you know, cause it's like, Oh, never mind. I don't want, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like quickly realizing that you don't have provable things. You have conjecture and discussions coming from the corporate media. And then uh, the last clip I want to play, 
and but we could talk about some COVID conversation for the rest here today is this one about uh, it's kind of about the vaccine conversation where you've seen clips like this already. I've even played one on my show that this is a new compilation I haven't seen where it's just showing you yet again how what a double standard this is for them to argue that we have to do this now for everyone's safety, even though it's lacking transparency and though they're not releasing all the information. And here's what they were saying again before when it was Trump behind it. Now, don't forget, everybody, same vaccine, generally the same CDC, same FDA. There's been a few changes, but generally the same entity, same people. And here's what they were saying beforehand. See other anchors on different networks uh, questioning whether vaccines are good or bad for yeah. you. I understand the hesitancy of one. I mean, listen, I was hesitant when Donald Trump was out there controlling the CDC yes. and controlling the FDA and manipulating right. them and making them put out falsehoods. Anybody rational right. was hesitant. And just first off, isn't it funny how you're not even allowed to say anything even causing vaccine hesitancy, even truth was attacked. Remember, they even said that, even the truth. And so they're allowed to say it, though. You know, like it's just. This is why I don't think most people are buying this anymore. Like, it's a cartoonish double standard, you know? But the idea also that it's the same CDC, the same people, you know, it's just generally speaking, it's the same entity, but apparently Trump, you know, if you have a comment, I'll let it keep playing. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, she wasn't the only one. There was Kamala Harris said it herself that I'm yeah. not taking no Trump vaccine yeah. kind of a thing. I and... think they play it in here. It's, okay. They all basically did it. Do I read you to say you would be hesitant? To receive the vaccine if it were approved by the end of the year. I'm going to, yes, I would be hesitant. We can't trust the president uh, and take his word and take a vaccine that might cause harm to us. Well, Biden right. blamed platforms like Facebook for the misinformation. Yeah. Is that, is, do you think he's right? I do. I do. If and when the vaccine comes. It's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that need right. to be done. Is the Biden campaign saying essentially if a vaccine comes out before Election Day, it shouldn't be trusted? Who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? But if Donald Trump tells us I should take, that we should take it, I'm not taking it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. I'm joined now by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. I don't trust the president, and I don't trust the FDA. Here's a vaccine. It was new. It was done quickly. But trust this federal administration and their health administration that it's safe. We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. We cannot take for granted this process will be free of political influence. The question of whether it's real when it's there, that requires enormous transparency. Multiple times, all the transparency we can't, unless we have that, you have right to be tra- hesitant. You know what I mean? <laughs> Today, we're in a situation where it's crazy untransparent, but we're being forced to because that's what right people do. I get just, this is childishly obvious. You know, I've never seen it like this before. Have you? Uh, no, I mean, I don't think any of us have to, to the point that it's gotten now. The, the, just the, you know, like we were talking about earlier, the, this could be a, a tactic, a psychological tactic to just rub our faces in it. Be like, just yep. to, so people right. just lose faith in the system and just, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's because that's what it's doing. If you look around, nobody trusts anything. Nobody, nobody trusts the government. Nobody trusts the media. Nobody trusts, you know, teachers and schools and the justice department. And I mean, it's like everywhere banks. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, 
And they're um, right not to trust them today. I mean, they've given you every possible reason to, to, to doubt whether they are, you know, I mean, I, I think it's kind of childish to ever think that these companies or banks have your interest at number one position. That's just ridiculous. I mean, their shareholders have and money has the number one interest for them bottom line all the time. And we see that play out. But, you know, we've been like manipulated into thinking, well, the you know, Pfizer's working altruistically for the people. <laughs> it's like it's just insulting, you know, and I again, I go back to the idea that I think it's only really about nailing in the idea that you're wrong if you don't think this. And they've scared most people away from trusting even remotely what they're having to say. You know, it, it's been a positive, I think. And to your point about the cornered animal, I think that's why it's getting, you know, appearing to get worse because they, they have to. What all the choice do they have at this point? And that's what makes it so dangerous because I, I don't rule anything out of, of these people being capable of like doing some crazy, uh, you know, dangerous stuff um, right. because they think they can get away with it. They've gotten away with so much already, you know, I mean, yeah. and uh, it's, it's just, uh, man, yeah, we got to keep our heads on a swivel. And of course the best thing that we can always do is just be as independent and self-sufficient as possible, you know, maybe have a, some extra water and food laying around or something, or, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit of always you know, ammo and stuff and, or whatever, <clears throat> you know, always. I'm not trying to freak people out or nothing, but it's just kind of basic stuff. I think pretty much yeah. everybody, you know, like the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 <laughs> kind of uh, made people go, maybe I should have a couple extra, you know, cans of beans in the pantry or something. That's just common sense. And I've said this, you know, I know you said the same. I mean, this is not, it's not, it's not fear mongering. It's not about like, we're going to die tomorrow. It's like, it doesn't matter if nothing happens tomorrow, you should have water and food ready. You should understand how to do things you might need to do in a situation where the power goes out. Like this is just common sense, but it, it, it's, and we don't, see that as much today because people just get trust they trust that the system won't change and but here they are at a time where they're screaming at you that it's about to change in ways that you'll never understand and yet there's so many people in the in the, i guess the mainstream discussion that just don't want to acknowledge it because they've been so primed to think anything is conspiracy theory that doesn't go along with what they've gotten comfortable with that they just la 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 you know i don't want to see it and that's what's happening everywhere now it's we, we've gone we past the hour. I, I you know I, I, we spent. We, I, I'm really enjoying speaking with you, Spiro. And I feel like maybe we should reconnect and have a full COVID nineteen conversation. But I guess just we can wrap up with it. If you give me another ten minutes or so, we can kind of lap a couple few points here at the end. What is what you know was the first thing? I mean, like your evolution of this. Like what has changed in your opinion in from what we were thinking in the beginning. You know, like we like there's a lot of conversation, I think, for both of us in the beginning, like bioweapon, bioterrorism, those conversations, the, the past of this government and whether that was what was happening. And, you know, so where are you now in regard to, I guess, some of these bigger ones? If, if you don't mind me asking, I do have to put you on the spot, like about, you know, lab origin kind of stuff or whether or not it's an illusion in regard to how people are getting sick and, and so on, like your general take on it right now. Okay. Yeah. Good question, Ryan. Uh, and thanks again for having me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always a pleasure to come on uh, and, or have you on my show or whatever. It's just always great talking with you and seeing with you, you. Uh, seeing you, you know, I, I would say I'm confident just, and this is just my opinion. This is just some guy on the internet or, you know, I'm just some guy on the internet. I'm not, I'm not, you know, claiming I know a hundred percent, but mm -hmm. in my opinion, I don't believe the accidental leak story uh it doesn't add up that they would ha already have a pre a pre packaged plan globally for governments to work in lockstep and with institutions on the same page you know how hard that would be to all coordinate and and there's a pandemic and everyone's freaking out and this and that and you know no no like this this was ready to go and i still think that the military invest uh the, 
World Military Games uh, needs to be investigated. I think that the timing and the significance and the location, it, it's just, it, it can't be uh, another coincidence that it they held the opening ceremonies for the Military World Games in Wuhan, China, on the same day that they were doing Event 201, the pandemic simulation in America, like both UN events. Like, I, and, just- and you pointed out they even showed like this coronavirus thing in the actual ceremony for the world. Remember that? that like they had that weird outline in the actual ceremony. They, like how yeah. the world do you explain something like that? That's crazy. The footage from the ceremony was, I mean, they went all out and it was a full UN theme and mm-hmm. it's right there in Wuhan, uh, you know, just uh, weeks essentially before the, the outbreak, you know, so whether it, or not it was released there, um, some people argue, okay, it was circulating around before that. And we looked at the Fort Detrick stuff prior to that because right. they were shut down and that's so, but regardless that, was a very symbolic uh, ceremony and an event and timing. And, and so it should be looked into and it would serve as the perfect conduit to spread uh, a contagion globally because 110 different nations were all converged there at ground zero right before it happened. It needs to be investigated. Nobody's talking about it on, on the media. So that's, that's kind of my, my take on that. I've since then, um, Okay, uh, there was a story today um, you may have seen where uh, Moderna CEO said that uh, the the vaccines, updating the vaccines is going to be like updating an iPhone. You're just like buying a new iPhone or whatever. Wow. So, um, yeah, and he's going on talking about how cool it's going to be. And, hey, every year we get a new iPhone and well, now we'll just get a new booster. And it's going to be different every time, you know, and with these mRNA technology shots. Like, so I just, like we talked about. Uh, we've been lied to about everything our whole lives, basically at this point, you know? Um, And so I have a hard time trusting known liars and criminals. Uh, These pharmaceutical companies have paid out billions of dollars in damages, uh, you know, uh, and, and criminal fines and, and stuff like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they have a record, they have a criminal record. I don't, but they do. Um, So I think personally, you know, it's kind of strange that, these same groups of people like the World Economic Forum and, and everybody who want to merge technology into our bodies, want to merge man with machine and literally plug us into the control grid, also want us to take a ton, a series of these mRNA uh, shots, these gene therapy shots that, you know, literally enter the cell's nucleus with a synthetic uh, RNA and reprograms your your cells and and to tell it to do certain things and it's just like wait a minute and, so- and don't forget they call their platform like a plug and play kind of like you know new software that those are the terms they use yeah even though that's called conspiracy theory when you talk about it it's right on their homepage you know or their their vaccine page that's a weird overlap yeah so to me this this um, the emergence of the mRNA technology is it's a theory of mine but it's going to contribute somehow into uh, the uh, fourth industrial revolution, the internet of bodies, uh, right, the world right. economic forums, great reset and, and, and merging man with machine. And, and uh, I, we haven't even really seen, I think the full, like, this is just the initial rollout of the technology. This, this emergency, right. This is COVID-19 was the excuse to, Oh, we got to get this vaccine fast. The only way we can do it's with this MRNA tech. Otherwise it would take too long and it'd be too dangerous. And so, so now they're already talking about using the MRNA tech for all kinds of different stuff. And the, um, like different treatments for different diseases and different this and that and universal. Yeah. Yeah. And you got the, the Pfizer CEO coming out saying that just that, that they want to utilize this MRNA technology for various different things because people's genes have defects. 
that there are defects in their genes that are causing these diseases. And so we, Pfizer or Moderna or whoever, needs to come in and play God and correct your DNA, your genes uh, to make the world a better place. Because hey, this, is, this is the kind of stuff that you and Whitney, myself, were screaming about in the beginning about what they're trying, you know, and, and it was just, it, it still is right now. You could go literally copy and paste exactly what he said verbatim and post it on Twitter and you'll probably get your account removed. You know what I mean? Like that's how crazy backward it is right now. And we can see it happening. In fact, they're verbatim openly saying these things in their think tank meetings and their world economic forum discussions. And, you know, like they're openly saying it. If people just care to listen, it's, it's pretty unnerving to watch how they're using this to step into it. And I agree with you though. I think this, there's a part of this, it may, maybe the injections themselves, I think most likely as a, as a kind of priming to what is going to be happening. I mean, look, we shouldn't even dismiss the idea that there's already something, and this is conspiracy theory in the mainstream, whether the nanotechnology being used or even the graphene conversation. There's some valid, high-level, high-credentialed people that are standing by this and saying there is something here. I've got evidence of this that, that shows very clearly. Like, I even spoke with Catherine Austin Fitz, and there's a researcher she holds in really high regard. That, that believes there's something to the graphene oxide discussion or maybe graphene hydroxide. In any case, there's, there's a thousand peer-reviewed studies about using graphene oxide for vaccine administration, and yet it's crazy conspiracy theory. Now, is it happening now? I don't know that for sure. It seems like these people have some pretty sound science, and I believe that what they found does seem to suggest that. But the point is that it's possible, and yet you're not even allowed to talk about it. So I believe there is something weird happening there, priming this in, and whether the, you know whether it's about depopulation which is what a lot of people bring up i kind of don't see that connecting but it's certainly possible or any number of other things i think it's alarming how much we're being lied to about it and yes it's leading right into the great reset technocratic panopticon i agree it's quite crazy yeah and uh you know i mean i will just wrap up on this but uh you know like they're now it's it's gotten so casual the the talk of bio warfare and bioweapons at this point that they're openly talking about using uh, a, someone's DNA, specific DNA from a specific person to tailor a bioweapon to target that specific individual. Right. You know, and, and then, and then that kind of ties into the whole 23 and me type thing and these ancestry sites to, and, and then the swabs. I mean, Oh, we got to test right. you to make sure you don't have COVID. And it's like, well, what's on the swab? Who's where's the swab going? Where's what's, you know I mean? Like that, how about the fact that nobody has ever justified or explained why they were jamming it back to people's blood brain <laughs> barrier. I mean, why is that not the biggest deal in the world? There's no explanation for that. Yeah. That's a good point. Easy. And it, nobody talks about that anymore. Yeah. There, there's a great, uh, uh, Derek just put up this article in that exact discussion, uh, right here. What, what I find interesting about this is that from, from the U S perspective, it was all about China. Right. So, well, China's going to use your DNA to make these things. So, well, not us, though. It's not like we had any part in doing that exact same research. In fact, with China simultaneously, you know, it's it's, it's very alarming to see. But this is something, as you know, that's been there for a long time. These uh, Taylor people actually, in fact, I think you and I even had this conversation or discussed it separately about whether that was what was happening in the beginning. These targeted yeah. ethnic bioweapon discussions. Well, uh, you know, and harvesting people's DNA and stuff. And, you know, I mean, that's or, or who knows? I mean, there, there was issues with the swabs with the ethylene oxide that was on there, which is a carcinogen. I mean, there's right. all kinds of stuff. And then just PCR not being designed to diagnose for an infectious disease to begin with. I mean, there's that, too. You know, so um, it's it's just crazy. It's crazy. I still haven't been swabbed uh, to this day. Yep, never have. Not going yep. to. Uh, never going to 
roll up my sleeve for this uh, under any circumstances ever. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. But. I'm right there with you, man. At this point, I don't, I don't, I can't, I won't, I don't foresee a point ever in the rest of my life where I'm going to be okay. Unless somebody is physically holding me down, taking anything. I don't care how justified just because we can see how lied to we were. Yeah. It, it doesn't, you know, even if you think, even if there really is something super dangerous, I'm just going to be like, I don't, I don't take my chances. <laughs> I just do not trust what they're doing today. You know? Yeah. Well, th thank you for being here and having this conversation, Spiro. We do need to do it again. I think it's important to to see how much has changed and how uh, how targeted, persecuted, everybody trying to speak out today in any way that's in even remotely objective or even just poke, poking at certain topics are today. Just every possible way. And I think it doesn't that doesn't ever prove that you're right, but it definitely gives us indication that they're we're right about the idea that they don't want us to be able to have free speech and have genuine conversation. And I think that's what we have to hold to, you know, being able, like we said in the beginning, no self-censorship, man, just speak your mind and say what you think. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to leave us with today, Spiro, any upcoming work or, you know, your social media links or anything else? Um, well, you know, I'm uh, looking at getting back in the saddle of making reports and interviews. I mean, I, I am still working and doing a full-time job uh, on the side. So there's, you know, I probably won't be cranking out reports every day, but I've already got a couple of things, irons in the fire, writing a couple of things, looking at some interviews and stuff. So I'll be uh, looking at producing some content here soon. So stay tuned nice. for that. Good, good. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. Your your videos on Twitter, especially, have always been really important and you know, may, and reached people. That's that's what it's about. Well, I'll leave you guys with this video, and it's you know, it's funny, but it's also a little disconcerting to see how crazy this got. I, I put this out on tw a tweet saying just all I said was mass psychosis. <laughs> that's what this video shows, and uh, and it'll, we'll wrap it up there. So, thank you for being here, Spiro. Thank always you, Ryan. A pleasure to speak to you, man. Oh, it's great, man. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. And as always, everybody out there, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. China. Okay, this is no joke. This is what people are doing. It's great. Not social distancing. Put your mask on. Get away from me. Put it on. Stop it. Whoa, whoa. What is going on inside your head? So this guy in Michigan. Came up with this idea. Six feet apart. Oh, yeah. Extreme, extreme measures of self-isolation. It um, gets the point across. So you can wear it comfortably all day. Share your smile. Z-Shield wraps your face. On prend une bouchée et on remet le masque. On prend une bouchée et on remet le masque.
shouldn't have to make it fun. It's science. It's it's science. <laughs>